What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Bodybuilding Podcast, and I'm here with Mr. Justin Shire. How are you, man? Fantastic. How are you? So it's formal, but it's not formal because we've talked many times. So I could have just started it by saying, hey, what's up? Oh, what's up? <laughs> um, no. So we're going to have a couple guys join us in a little bit, but I thought me and you would start out first. And yeah. uh, we kind of get people to get to know you a little bit because a lot of people have come on board and have seen your progress and saw you turn pro, but a lot of people also don't know you. So I thought sure. first thing I want to do is just kind of show your Instagram and show people kind of who you are. So for those people who don't know Justin Shire, this is his Instagram page. And for those listening on audio, it's Justin underscore Shire. It's S-H-I-E-R. And uh, this is your page. So for people who don't know, he just turned pro at the nationals, the NPC nationals. This is uh, at night or is this pre-judging? This is at uh, night. That's pre-judging. It's pre-judging. Yeah. That's the morning show. Conditioning is fucking perfect. I mean, quads are feathered, like Thank waist you. looks good. Everything's really dry, but full. Yeah, I feel really good how he showed up. Is there anything you think you could have done at the nationals to be any better? Is this the best that you are right now? Um, I think the biggest thing I probably can blame myself for this. I think in the last few weeks, I was a bit fucking possessed on the bike doing cardio. And I think I might've cardioed my legs off a bit. <laughs> well, it doesn't look, it doesn't look like it from the back at all. Let me see from the back. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. If you got to go to like, I think the first shots that I, yeah, my legs look fine there. Yeah, that's yeah. and that was actually in the night show. Uh, Matt decided to put in a little more water. Yeah, because he thought it was like a little bit of a hydration thing, which totally could have been it. Why we didn't couldn't fill up the legs, but like in the front shot, you can just see my legs look just a little downsized. Like I have, if you look at my like, I have a few shots from like three weeks out where my legs are like blasting full. I think there's like a front relaxed. Yeah, that those my legs look okay there. Two weeks out. Yeah, yeah, they do look a little bigger here. Well, go go down like just a tiny bit and that front relaxed yeah so that's three weeks out fasted first thing in the morning my legs yeah, look yeah yeah big and full and i just was so obsessed with getting peeled that i was just fucking like possessed on the bike and going crazy and i think i might have so it's interesting you said that um because a lot of people that follow the show or watch the show aren't necessarily competitors or you know yeah. hardcore bodybuilding fans so i want to explain that to them a little bit because the mindset you get into is more is better. Yeah. So explain to people a little bit why you weren't just doing what you're supposed to and why you were going a little harder than you should. I mean, I was doing what I was supposed to. I just definitely upped the intensity a little bit there at the end, just because yeah. you know we get, we just get, I'm looking in the mirror. I feel like I'm fat and I'm just balls out on the bike trying to, you know, do everything I can to make sure we're, we're dialed in and it's, it's easy to do too much. If Are you, are you kind of like a lot of guys, like I was like that a little bit, like the more you get ready for a show and the more you look at yourself, the fatter you feel, yep. even though, even though you're getting leaner as the 12 weeks or 16 weeks go on, yeah, you feel I, like you're, you feel like because you're looking at yourself so much every day, just, does it feel to you like you're not there? Oh, definitely there at the end. I just kind of refused to even look at pictures. Like when we were, <laughs> when we were um, at the host hotel, I wouldn't like Matt was like, maybe send me some pictures. Like, no, I just, I just want to come see you. I don't even want to look at myself. Yeah. So I just go in and see him after every meal. I never took any pictures leading up to the show. I just, as long as he said we were fine, we're fine. I didn't even want to see it. Yeah. You know what's funny is that I got like that later in my career because early in my career, I would look in the mirror like every fucking three hours. Yeah. And you torment yourself. Oh, yeah. And yeah. later, I think in the second half of my career, I realized I'm going to look at myself once in the morning and yeah. then I'm not going to, and then I'm not going to look at myself again for the rest of the day. Yeah. And most of the time when I took pictures, I kind of would like glance at them real quick and just send them off to whoever was coaching me. Yeah. Without exactly. even, cause if I studied I, them, <laughs> I look too much. I'm going to drive myself nuts. I'm going to yeah. drive my, cause you feel like you're skinny and fat at the same time. And it's just such a, uh, such a, <laughs> so exp when you, so how many, this is your second nationals. Yeah. So I did, I competed for my first time in 2019. And yeah. then uh, last year I did USA's in 2020 and I got uh, fourth place there. And then this year I did nationals. And so you've only done, you've only done three shows. I did a few shows that first year in 2019, they were back to back, but um, yeah, I was like a, just like a 
kind of a soft light heavyweight and you know the never really got in shape kind of thing mm-hmm. and then last year I didn't really get in shape I didn't nail it I was smooth on stage and then mm-hmm. decided to reach out to Matt and I feel like we fucking nailed it this year did you coach yourself those first few no shows? I had a coach and, I, and I'm not at all blaming the coach I think it was just you know first time dieting type of stuff yeah yeah my body didn't really know what we were doing so how many shows total have you done and where did you place in those first shows in 2019 so I won the overall at the last show I did in uh, in 2019. I got second place at the other one. Um, so total of four shows. Okay. When when did you realize you want to make it a career, or did you even? I mean, I know you have another career, which we'll discuss later on. But when did you think you wanted to make bodybuilding? You want to pursue bodybuilding at this level? I think after that first show. Even though you didn't win, you were like, "That's even it." Even I didn't win, yeah. I mean, it was a big show. There was like 22 light heavies. Yeah. Emerald Cup in Washington. Um, yeah, the guy just beat me because he was in shape. Yeah, and I, yeah. Well, I, I just kind of I felt like through that prep, I thought I was gonna kind of go in and you know I was gonna try classic actually. So I thought you know let's just try my hand at this and see how it goes. But then halfway through the prep, I realized I'm not making classic, and then I realized how much I fucking loved it. And then the first time you get tanned and you know pull water and yeah. fucking on stage it's just it's amazing it's so you so knew you knew you loved it from the very first show like right away oh absolutely yeah definitely so just so people know uh let's get into why we'll come back to this sure but you have a kind of a different story than other people because a lot of guys like even myself that get into bodybuilding at this level kind of make it their career so you have another career so yeah. when you decided to go out at this at this level were you already successful in your other career and let's tell everybody kind of what it is you do so they kind of get a backstory a little bit yeah my businesses had already kind of taken off i own a cannabis business i own a cannabis dispensary and a cannabis farm and then my wife and i um, own our gym um so those three things i had and they were doing doing well yeah Uh, luckily the, the cannabis business it's big in my area um you know my retail space did like 1.5 million gross in its first year wow you're very very fortunate there it, yeah. it took off so i was in a great position to you know financially to enter this endeavor and not really stress yeah which was a huge blessing but i just spent the last you know decade building these businesses and and acquiring the skill set to to actually make it within these within this realm and then um i was able to kind of pivot and put that energy into bodybuilding so, okay so we're kind of jumping all around but there's so many questions come up from that when you say your businesses were doing well and 1.5 in your first year is crazy, but um, how does somebody have the, you know, they say it's hard to suffer when you're doing well. So most people that get into bodybuilding that suffer at this level that do what they have to do to become a pro, you know, they have to sacrifice a lot of things and they, and they usually are doing it because they have to get somewhere. If you're already successful, you had no problem suffering and doing it. Like you're literally doing it for the love of it. You're not doing it for money, career, or anything like that. No, no, not at all. I'm not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love business. So I see the business opportunity that bodybuilding has and I want to pursue the business of bodybuilding, but I just love this stuff, man. I, um, I really genuinely fucking love it. And I truly believe that I can be great. Yeah. I think, I think I can be one of the best in the world to do this. And that's where my head space is. Was that your thought from the first show or is that now come to fruition after seeing the nationals? I think it's it's that, that, you know, that seed was planted in the first show and it's definitely grown into something different now, but um, you know, right away, I think I I realized I had a propensity for, you know, putting on muscle and, you know, I've got good muscle insertions and great shape. And that was all pretty obvious in my first show. Yeah. Um, But, you know, over the next few years of, of really attacking this thing and and working with Matt has helped tremendously Mm -hmm. because he filled a lot of, um, well, a lot of knowledge, but a lot of self-belief. He yeah. believes he believes in me. And um, that definitely helps me believe in myself. So yeah. I think it's a matter of surrounding yourself in, in with with good people. And you yourself have told me, you know, many times that you believe in me. So you know, so, matter. So you had your your businesses were successful when you started bodybuilding, but you said you owned a gym. So how long before you got on stage the first time did you own the gym? So we bought the gym in 2018. Yeah, January 1st, 2018. Okay. It's only like a year or so you own the gym. Only like a year. Yeah. And a buddy of mine who was, um, he does men's physique or did men's physique, wanted to do classic. Yeah. And uh, I was just, just fucking do it. Just do classic. And he told me, if you do it, I'll do it. 
No shit. It's one of those. I'm like, fuck it. Let's do it. I'll do it. Yeah. So um, I started my first prep in 2019 and, uh, and that was it, man. I, I loved it. Okay. So wait a minute. Did you actually want to compete or is this like kind of a bet that turned into a love? I mean, it was one of those things that I've been talking about for the last three years. I just, you know, never did it. You know, everyone's okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should, I, I should. Because I- my story was literally a bet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering if it was the same thing. I mean, that was it. And he called me out. He was yeah. like, you do it and I'll do it. So I was like, yeah. fuck it. And I got pretty excited and, and uh, made it happen. Then I didn't, I couldn't make the weight for, for classic. So your wife is a CrossFitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, how long before the gym, did you, you own the gym with her? Yes. Yeah. How long before you got into bodybuilding and got on stage or before the gym opened? How long were you before that? Like, when did you guys meet? Uh, so we, shit, we've been together for like six and a half years now. Okay. Um, so I think the gym was about three years into our relationship. That we so when, when, when did the, when was the first, what was the first business you started? Um, well, the first like legitimate on paper business was the dispensary. Okay. You know, my brother and I, we had been growing, yeah. but it was like a uh, medical. And what we do is we, you know, we were kind of growing. I started growing in my parents' backyard yeah. for a few years and, you know, bombed and lost money and fucking rotted out my crop. And then years and years of doing that, um, we eventually leased our own property and then we were able to buy our own property. Um, but through that process, we were selling to uh, like um, medical dispensaries. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, untaxed medical money. It wasn't like an actual legitimate business. Yeah. But through that, I got to see like the inside of these dispensaries. And I thought, I was like, that's, that's what we need to do. So we ended up starting our own dispensary in 2017. And then we were able to acquire and purchase our own property we got uh 15 acres here um in the same town as my dispensary and then we got our license to operate a tier two uh cannabis grow so now we're a a vertically integrated cannabis company i'm able to grow my own product and sell it in my own store so instead of just being a dispensary that buys it from somebody else you're just making your own you grow your own shit yeah i do still buy stuff from other people but it's it's definitely a nice outlet for me to move my own my own product so you don't smoke I don't, no, I don't. So this is the most interesting part to me. So you don't smoke weed, but your business and your successful business is growing and selling. Yeah. Um, you supply food. No, I know. <laughs> Trust me. I know. But my curiosity is, did you enter into the growing part just out of sheer business sense? Because you knew it was going to be a popular thing. Well, if you don't, if you don't smoke, like what interested you in it other than the business aspect? Well, I did. I smoked for for like three or four years and okay school. and i was i mean i was a an, an addict to be honest <laughs> were you really yeah so like um how, I, how bad how bad i mean i i couldn't i couldn't eat in the morning unless i took a couple of bong hits <laughs> you know, i couldn't go to bed at night unless i was high i mean yeah. it, people like to act like marijuana isn't addicting it's it's addicting is it, it, it definitely is yeah yeah and like you know i was riding bmx at the time and like it's one of those things if i go to ride my bike i can't ride unless i'm high Mm-hmm. It just, like, everything felt weird it's like fuck i gotta get fucking loaded yeah but um i actually got sick with with meningitis and that's when i quit smoking okay but i i already had smoked for three or four years and i loved it and i had a you know a, an actual genuine passion for it yeah and my brother continued to smoke as my business partner on the cannabis side of things um, and you know, and the, the passion that never really died, I still appreciate the product and I, I love it for what it is. Like I, you know, the terpene profiles, the smell, things like that. I'm still passionate about it. Don't, I'm sorry about that. Let me silence this shit. Hey, do um, you, I just, do you, do you, sorry to cut you off, but do you enjoy, I know a lot of people get a lot of relief. They don't just enjoy it because they get high, but a lot of people actually get physical and mental relief from smoking weed. Do you enjoy being like, the facilitator of that hold on a second i just lost you i somehow exit out okay what the fuck oh you didn't hear any of that no i heard you i heard you i just lost my screen oh, okay. i exited the screen um dude honestly we we genuinely help a lot of people so yeah. most of my demographic is you know you know young kids who want to go get high by the river and you know whatever smoke a joint at night that's fine but i have a, a huge demographic of people that I, I that we genuinely help from like a a medicinal standpoint. Sure. And that's really, really cool to see. So how do you go from, okay, so I found out we 
I got why the passion for, or where the weed comes from, but you, can you tell me what exactly meningitis is and how you got that? Well, meningitis, it's like an airborne disease. So you catch it like yeah. anything common cold. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really know how I got it. You know, I've, you know, drinking off the wrong water fountain or kissing the wrong girl or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, when I was 17, I got uh, very sick. What is the symptom? What are the symptoms of meningitis? So when I had it, it was like, a, I feel like I had the flu. So I, it was okay. like a really bad cold at first. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of progressed into something uh, worse. And I was just kind of laid up. I couldn't, got to a point where I couldn't really drink and hold down water. So I just, you know, throw it up. Yeah. And then um, one morning I just was, I was laying on the couch and I just uh, got up to use the restroom and everything just kind of gave out. I collapsed on the ground and my brother had to lift me up and put me on the toilet. And at that point in time, I'm just shitting my brains out. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't keep myself upright. So I'm sitting there shitting myself and he's holding my head up and holding my body up while I'm just, yeah you know, going to the bathroom. Yeah. 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 Um, so at that point in time, we realized things were pretty serious and I had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the hospital, went to the ER. Um, they had to do a, a spinal tap, which I don't know if you're familiar, they show a needle about this big right into your spine okay. and, uh, draw fluid out because <clears throat> it was ended up being spinal meningitis. Okay. And, um, something about the fluid, if it comes out clear, you're good. If it came out like, uh, you know, milky, then then we were in trouble. Um, and obviously it came out, you know, that milky color. Um, at that point, they just kind of rushed me to the uh, hospital. It's a, a town uh, adjacent to ours because they were just better equipped for it. And during that time, I just kind of, man, I just kind of lost consciousness and I woke up two weeks later. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty so, wild. so during that time, I mean, like, so my, I was dealing with like some swelling in the brain yeah. So my brain's swelling. I'm just kind of losing it. And they've got me strapped across my chest and across my forehead and everybody's wearing masks and they're just like holding me down and I'm hallucinating. I'm kind of losing my mind. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And, um, it was, uh, it was one of those moments that, you know, I had liver and kidney failure. Everything was shutting down when I was sitting there on the toilet with my brother. I, uh, I had never been more certain that I was dying. Like you were, I was so acutely aware that my body was shutting down on me. Mm -hmm. It was, it was terrifying. It was really scary. So you're out for two weeks. Are you like, you're in a coma? Like what is like, so I was in a medically induced coma for that two weeks and, um, I was on dialysis and, um, I had, uh, had sepsis. So your body will take blood flow to keep your heart and your brain going and it, it will take it from your extremities. So that's how I end up losing these three fingers. Okay. When I, when I woke up out of the coma, these three fingers were, were like, um, were black, like it, almost like frostbite. Yeah. Yeah. Seen, yeah. 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 That's what, that's what my hand looked like. So they, they couldn't repair it. They couldn't repair a good blood flow back to your fingers. So they just, yeah. So they had to amputate. Yeah. So at that point there wasn't really anything to do. So what's the, and that was before the gym. Was that before you met your wife? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was 17 at the time. 17. So you've referenced your brother a lot so far in the podcast is your, how many is it, You just have the one brother. Or do you have other siblings? I have a younger sister as well. You have a young, is your brother older than you? Yeah. My brother's older three years. <laughs> and how is your like relationship with your parents? Good. Yeah, it's great. Parents yeah. relationships are really good with my parents. Um, so what made you quit smoking weed? Was it just because it was a near-death experience and you're like, I want to be healthier? Or what was it that kind well, of switched? Well, I was in the hospital for three months during that time. I was in the ICU for about three months. And I had uh, ARDS, which is acute respiratory distress syndrome. Yeah. Where you're, um, my, my lungs pretty much turned into leather and the, the life support burst a hole in my lungs. So I had a hole about the size of a silver dollar in one of my lungs. So it was just, it wasn't an option. I couldn't smoke. Okay. But after that, once I got out of the hospital, after spending three months not smoking, and then I can't smoke because of the, the ARDS, it's just, I just never made my way back to it. And it's yeah. also, I, I feel like it's one of those things, once you have a tolerance for it yeah. and you lose it, like trying to get it back, I just, I, every time I smoke now, I just feel like a, a complete moron. Oh, so you have tried to smoke? Yeah. Oh yeah. Over the years, my brothers, yeah. 
me to get high up a good couple dozen times and every time I get every time every time the bad influence your brother um yeah definitely so how does that feel and and forgive me if this is at all not the same but i had pneumonia i had pneumonia a while back like uh, i want to say it's almost 10 years ago now and i was in the hospital for like four days yeah and they told me that it scarred my lungs Mm -hmm. um how do you how is your performance in the gym is it affect like your lung your arts does it affect your performance in the gym at all does it affect your breathing at this point, I don't think so. I, I don't really notice anything. Did it after? Did it, did it after? Like, did you notice yeah. that at any point? Yeah, after for a while. Yeah, for a good long while. I mean, I was, you know, they yeah. used to say, I don't know if you remember on, um, was it Malcolm in the Middle? There's that, that kid that takes a deep breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he has to talk. Yeah. That was me for like six months. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just like could not keep any lung capacity, any oxygen capacity. Just, but now you don't feel anything? No. Nah. No, I feel good. Okay, so explain to me where the passion for working out comes from, because I know you told me you were a BMX guy before that. So when did you start the BMX thing, and why did that go away? Um, well, I got, I was hit by a car riding my bike, and I broke my leg pretty bad. I, um, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show people the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so in, I don't remember, I think it's 2013, 2014, I was uh, riding my bike downhill, we're kind of hill bombing, and um, I ended up running head on with a car that was uh, driving um, uphill, and I, you'll see in the, in the um, x-rays, I broke my femur in three places, I broke my femoral head completely off, yep, there's that skinny. This is, this is BMX, Justin. i cannot believe but you know what were you working out at this time because you look like you got some muscle here yeah i mean i i think i might have been going to the gym i think this is after yeah this is after i broke my leg oh okay yeah so i think i'd been training like a a tiny bit but either way i'm still like 185 pounds yeah but um yeah the accident was pretty serious and uh i just went into uh i went into the gym afterwards just hoping to rehab my leg and uh you know this is, was, this is the leg break this is your femur your femur you can see right there like um the femur broke in two places here and here and this piece in the middle broke in half and oh God. Half, yeah half of it was attached to my femoral artery so when they reattached it they there when they put the rod in rather they didn't reattach that piece yeah I, I had uh when i got hit by the car something hit the back of my neck here and it hit my carotid artery and i ended up um end up losing like a little over six units of blood. So I came very close to bleeding out and dying at that point. Cause you only have, you know, eight to 10 units of blood in, in the healthy male body. Yeah. Um, so when they reattached that, they, they just left it floating there, which is totally bizarre. I ended up making a union eventually, but um, now I kind of have this big bone mass in my, in my left femur. Yeah. You, can see, you can see it a little bit in like some of my posing sometimes, like in my front double, you see a little notch taken out of my left leg. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's really where I came from. I just, uh, I wanted to rehab that leg and I just got into the gym to do that. And after a year of being on crutches and working out, I just kind of fell in love with working out. So how long were you BMXing for? Uh, probably about 10 years, about maybe 15, 16 years old to about 26. How old are you now? I'm 34. 34. So you're getting into bodybuilding a little late. Yeah, yeah, I did my first. <laughs> That's crazy, man. This is uh it's such a different life. Yeah, it really is a different life. But you know, it's also there is some there is some carryover. I mean, the amount of time I have to spend on my bike to be able to do this shit, I'm under I understand the commitment levels it takes to that's just a picture of my brother. That's a photo that I took. <laughs> As you can see, they're both long-haired and weed grown hippies. This is so crazy to see. It's so fascinating to see for me to see people's transformations from. You should go down a little bit. You'll see the photo where I got a good, you got a good physique here. Was this, were you training here or not? No, not really. Yeah. You could tell the genetics are there for it. Yeah. I mean, I I think, like I said, this was after my leg break. So it was like, I I was doing like, you know, bicep curls in the gym. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah. No. Cause I I was thinking to myself, cause Luke, you know, Luke was into skateboarding and stuff. Mm-hmm. and and drumming and all these other things and 
then he got into bodybuilding and it's like, it's crazy for me to see how people go from one, you know, for someone like me, it's not a big deal. It's like, Oh, I went from football to bodybuilding. It's kind of like a natural progression. Yeah. But this is such a different lifestyle. It's like, it's uh it's really interesting. Yeah, for me it, it really is. It's, I mean, kind of polar opposites from a lifestyle standpoint, but yeah, you know, as far as what it takes to be, to be good and be talented at this type of thing, it, this is all just me, like getting back on my bike, figuring out how to ride again. So it's like a bunch of, silly stuff that i'm excited about for no reason is there anything from before the break on that picture right there you can see where where like um which one up a little bit a little more on the top right right there that oh one top. my god yeah so you can see where it it oh, gashed yeah. yeah yeah so that hit my carotid artery and i i damn near bled out and died right there so you so you went head first into a car yeah yeah i went i went face first right into the windshield was it their fault or your fault? Uh, I mean, I was in the bike lane, but I was opposing traffic. So, <laughs> so, so, so kind of, kind of, yes. Yeah, so let's just we split the. I got, I got a ticket. You got a ticket. Yeah, I was, I was fined. Yeah, they, I'm seriously bleeding, dying, bleeding out, dying. My legs twisted and folded over on itself, and the cop puts a, a ticket on my chest. And, Come on. No, I swear. Yeah. Okay. No, like, are you fucking? No, I'm serious. So, yeah, no, and then did he call an ambulance after that, or like what the fuck? No, yeah, I was like, I was like getting in the ambulance. My mom's there. My mom's, <laughs> and he put it. Gave he was like, here, buddy, good luck. What the fuck? How much was the ticket for? Uh, I think it was like um, reckless endangerment or something like that. But how much was it? Do you remember? It was, it was like eight hundred dollar ticket. I had to pay it. Oh my god. Here I am thinking like you got a settlement. Meanwhile, you got a ticket. No, no, I got fucked. The guy that hit me didn't even have car insurance. What happened to that guy? Nothing. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know. It was a scene. I think I told you, I texted you about it. So typically, you know, we, we rode to the top of town and uh, we, there's like a Mexican restaurant up there. So we got some Mexican food and then we usually just hill bomb down because it's a, it's at the top of our town and it's a steep hill and we just bomb with traffic. But that night there was this um, this sketchy crackhead chick who came out of the hotel that was right there that was asking us for a ride. Mm. She wanted to ride. I was like, "We're on bikes, lady. I can't give you a ride." <laughs> yeah. But this chick comes and she jumps on my handlebars. She sits on my bars and leans back to where her her uh, her butt is like on the frame of my bike. Her feet are looped over my handlebars, and she leans her head against my chest. Yeah, we're locked in. I said, all right, fuck it. Let's go. I just lift my feet and drop in and we bomb. So typically I would cut over and I'd get to the other. There's uh, one that runs this way. One that runs this way. It's two one ways. Yeah. Uh, usually I'd go with the one where we're, we're with traffic, but I had this chick on my handlebars and I just went for it. Mm. And um, man, we probably got up to about 35, 40 miles an hour. I mean, with this chick on my handlebars, this steep hill, I mean, we were fucking flying. Yeah. Man. yeah. My eyes are watering. Yeah. My brother and my friends are behind me. Their gearing's maxed out, so they're pedaling, trying to keep up. They can't. I'm just pulling away from them. Yeah. And I'm, uh, like I said, I'm in the bike lane, and I'm coming around this blind corner, and I see this guy's headlights, and he's in like the middle lane, but he did that thing where you like, um, you make a turn, and you just kind of get over. Yeah. Yeah. Turn. So yeah. he gets over in the lane that's closest to me, and I think he must have just seen me at the last second and panicked because he ripped the wheel towards me towards you yeah so i have pictures where his wheel is up on the sidewalk towards me in the bike lane what the f and that's where i'm laid out so i go face first into the windshield this chick is on my handlebars she gets ejected misses the car and she's probably 100 yards that way yeah and she just slid on her on her ass and on her back yeah so i go face first into the windshield this car's fucking totaled I got blood shooting out my neck and my leg is sitting there twisted and I'm wearing shorts. You can just see it's just a, it's just a mess. They've got three kids in the back seat. These kids are screaming bloody murder. I mean, they're probably horrified. Yeah. Steaming. The wife gets out of the car. She's pissed drunk. It's three in the morning. Cause he, I think he must've just picked her up from the bar or something. Cause this guy's got his wife and his kids in the car at 3 AM. It's yeah. not a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, she gets over the top of me. She's screaming and yelling at me because she's like, you realize what you've done? My kids are crying and screaming. She's screaming at me. I got blood 
shooting <laughs> like this. My God. This girl that was on my handlebars is about 100 yards that way, just fucking howling. Do you, wait, do you remember any of this or is this story told to you? No, I remember it. I was, oh, okay. I was completely awake the whole time. Okay, go on. Sorry. No, it's all good. I went right into the windshield and plopped right in front of this car. Yeah. So the pictures of me on the ground, I'm like two feet from the car. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he told the cops that he was going the speed limit, which is 35 miles an hour. I was probably going 35 when I hit him. So, I mean, we made fucking impact. Yeah. So what happened to, what happened to the crackhead? So this bitch, she was terrible. She was awful. So she, the guy that, the guy that hit me is a black, a black guy. Yeah. So she's just yelling all this fucking derogatory yeah. N word. Yeah. It was bad. It was yeah. so like, they load us up both into the same ambulance and she's just yelling the N word over and over and over again. We get to the hospital and they approach my parents and they go, hey, just so I'll let you know the baby's okay. Um, but she did have methamphetamine in her system. And my parents are like, what? The baby? What are you talking about? She's well, oh, your, sure. your, your, son's, your son's girlfriend is okay. The baby's going to be okay. <laughs> so she's pregnant and high on meth. And they yeah. think she's my girlfriend. Yeah. Not my girlfriend. Yeah. Just some weird crackhead. But apparently she's high on crank and, you know. 12 weeks pregnant and the baby apparently baby's gonna be okay okay wait a minute so are you still awake at this point at that point no they rushed me into surgery so how long was it before your parents did your parents know for sure that wasn't your girlfriend or did they think they all of a sudden yeah they knew they were like no that's not his girlfriend <laughs> okay here i am thinking like you're passed out and your parents are like what that's the fuck? they found out i'm having a baby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy shit. That's now, a crazy fucking story, man. It was wild, dude. She ended up she ended up walking out of the hospital that night. She was fine. Of course, right? Yeah. Weird crackhead. The, the crackhead. She couldn't feel anything. She just rolled away. Fucking... She tumbled down the road and was fine. <laughs> were you fucked up at all or no? Was I fucked up? Like were you high at all? Or you smoke did you smoke that night or no? Oh uh I we did a little drinking. Hmm. But uh, by the time I got to the top of town, I had Mexican food, and after all that, I, I, I wasn't like buzzed or anything. So you weren't so. fucked up, yeah? No, I wasn't fucked up. I was fine. I just was, dude. I was just 26, and I'm just kind of a. I was a bit of a loose cannon, so of course I have just hill bomb a fucking hill with some crackhead on my handlebars and run face first into a car. Is that how your kind of whole childhood was? Like, were you a troublemaker or no? I wasn't a troublemaker, but I was just, you know, I was like definitely- fuck around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see, I'm doing backflips on a BMX bike, you know, stuff like that. So I was always kind of like that. What was school? What was school, Justin? Like, like did you do well in high school or no? Oh, I got high the whole time and didn't do shit. I uh, skip all your classes like I did. Skip all my classes. I remember I had a weight a weight class that was right after um, it was right after lunch, and I would always get high at lunch. And I remember going in and um, they set me up with like this little football player kid and worth benching. Yeah. he puts 135 on the on the bar and he's just repping it yeah. just funny little football player i didn't know i remember getting underneath that thing and that 135 crushed me and i couldn't <laughs> do a rep and i was fucking so embarrassed and uh he pulled it off my chest and i just never went back that was it Fuck this. this is stupid now look now look at you look at me. do yeah. you know that do you, do you know that kid now so, i'm gonna find him on facebook now <laughs> <laughs> Send him, send him an IG post of you doing four plates. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. Lately, motherfucker. <laughs> he totally set me up too. I, mean, I think he knew and it was like he wanted to embarrass me. I remember it being like this cocky thing. And I was like, this little asshole. <laughs> I, I quit dressing down and never went again. That's but yeah, when I, when I got sick with meningitis, I, I got sick like the, the week before finals. So I ended up not getting like any of the credits for that year. And yeah. then I was, I was in the hospital for the majority of that school year. And then even when it came to like re-enrolling, if I was going to repeat my senior year, mm-hmm. I was still, I still had like doctor's appointments in med in, in the town over. Um, I still had doctor's appointments three times a week. I had like follow-up surgeries on my hand. I was still like in a wheelchair and like, it was so just wait weird. a minute. I, I'm, I'm confused with the timeline here. So where, when did, when did, did the BMX stuff start? while you were in high school yeah more like middle school yeah and then I, when was the accident were you, you obviously were still in high school during the accident 
uh, the, the BMX accident? Yeah. Or the car accident? No, okay. I was I was like 26 at the time. Yeah, you were it was way after. Yeah. So what do you after. mean? So the meningitis, when did that happen? That happened when I was 17. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking like, okay, so I'm sorry. So no, no, the meni- meningitis happened, you lost your fingers and you were still BMXing the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Like a big, huge comeback that I had to, you know, overcome, you know, riding bikes with half a hand is not easy. Well, it's not, I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. But when I came, like when I broke my leg again, I remember it was like, I have to make this huge comeback again to get back to my BMX bike. And I just, I just felt like I didn't, didn't have it. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? Broke your leg again? When did you break it the first time? I I broke it the first time when I got hit by a car, but but I ended up after about a year of, uh, non-weight bearing so i couldn't i couldn't weight load for like uh or weight bear for like 10 months yeah. so I was like, for 10 months and then i had to have another surgery because i had a non-union in my femur so what they did is they pulled all the hardware out and then they did like a bone fusion because they had to wall out the inside of my femur for bigger hardware yeah. and use that bone to fill in some of the spaces where i didn't get a union on my femur okay then it was like another uh eight weeks without uh weight bearing and then I ended up having that hardware pulled out because at, by that time I was trying to actually like squat and leg press. So when I would do like a squat, I would go down, I'd feel that hardware shearing the inside of my glute. You feel the hardware, that it's probably seen in one of the pictures. I mean, that rod was like, like this yeah. long. Yeah. It, it poked me in the back of the glute when I would, um, when I squat. So I had the hardware pulled out, but anyway, after about 18 months, I got back on my bike and I was riding my bike and I broke my leg again, same leg. So I ended up going over the handlebars, like into a bowl and uh, I just landed and hyperextended my leg. I thought I just grenaded my knee. It just felt like, it just felt like my knee just exploded, yeah. but I like a, it was a plateau fracture where the top of my tibia cracked in like three places. Yeah. Wow. So I, broke, I broke that same leg again. And at that point I was like, I am, I am so done. So did you have surgery after the second break or is it just heal no, like in a cast? No, it didn't require surgery. I just was on crutches for 12 or 14 weeks or something like that. And then you're like, fuck it. That's it. I'm done. And at that time I, you know, I'd spent the last two, you know, like 18 months in the gym consistently. Yeah. Yeah. It was all bad. I couldn't really, yeah. I couldn't bikes. Um, and that was, that was where I was like, this is, this is what I'm doing now. So you did, you, you developed a passion for it through rehab. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Very cool, man. That's a fucking crazy story, man. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of adversity to go through a lot of adversity to go through, man. Well, when people be like, Oh, I can't squat or I can't build my, build my legs. Cause it might, I got a bad hip. Man, fuck you guys. <laughs> I don't hear it, dude. I hear it so much. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? You hear yeah. people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'd love to squat. Can't do it. Got a uh, funky hip. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I broke the head of the femoral head, the ball of my hip completely off. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. So, so after all that, how do you fucking deadlift? I've, so I've seen you deadlift like a shitload of weight mm. with no fingers. Are you just, is it all, is it all straps? Cause I'm like, how the fuck is he deadlifting all this weight? Well, I've got these hostiles, uh, wrist straps <laughs> really anchor me into the bar. I set you up for that. No, seriously though. Is it just, is it wrist straps? You're not using your straps. Yeah. I mean, I can, I've still pulled, uh, like four or five off the ground for reps with no straps just to kind of see if I could do it. What do you do? Just hold it with the one finger? On my index, my thumb, so I'm able to able yeah. to grab it. But yeah, it's yeah. amazing. But as long as I have straps, I'm able to to crank in, and I'm good. So what's your? So explain to me the passion and the suffering when you're making a lot of money. Why are people? Why do people? A lot of people have a lot of trouble with that. I mean, obviously, there's examples of people that don't because, like, you know, we see Chris Bumstead, who's obviously doing very, sure. very well for himself, and still suffers and gets the Olympia win and. But most people, when they start getting into the successful, comfortable lifestyle, don't have an easy time in bodybuilding because it requires a lot of suffering. Yeah. I don't, I just want this shit more than anything. I want to be great. I want to do this more than anything. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Is your business, is your business running to a point where you don't have to spend a lot of time doing it? The the retail side of things. Yeah. It's kind of a revolving door of income and I've got good management in place and it it, it really kind of runs itself. It doesn't require much of me, but you know, to double back to what you're saying, like when I'm making a lot of money, when I say my company did 1.5, that's gross. Oh, I I understand that. Yeah. You know, that means still, I, 
you know, I, I didn't put a million dollars in my pocket. I get it hundred percent, but still even 1.5 gross is still good. I'm, Cause I'm assuming I mean, you're, that's, it's fantastic. I mean, it's fucking yeah. amazing. I really couldn't have even anticipated that. Yeah. So, but you know, when you, when you have that type of money, there's a lot of reinvesting that occurs. There's huge tax mm-hmm. bills and I have a business partner and we're, we're yeah. always expanding and, yeah. you know, trust me, I, I got, I know I exactly know what you're talking about. What's that? I said, I know you understand better. Than, yeah. Than yeah. Yeah. No, but I guess, I guess I should rephrase what I was trying to say. So it's less about money and it's more about passion. So my, my philosophy, and a lot of people will disagree with this. But my philosophy has always been, uh, if you chase two rabbits, you're going to lose one. So what I mean by that is, you know, some people will try and do too many things at once. And, yeah. if, the, and if those things are all big uh, things that require a lot of attention, they generally don't do well at both. Right. So that's why I was kind of, that's kind of where I was more leading more so than the money. I'm more like, are you comfortable over there where you can leave it and put your focus onto bodybuilding and really yeah. excel? I think um, a lot of it is just appropriate delegation. You know, I have a lot yeah. of good in my corner and it, it's, you know, hire smart and fire fast. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it, I mean, it's hard. I'm not going to act like it isn't, it isn't hard. I mean, it requires a lot of me, but I think if I didn't have all this going on, there'd be a huge void in my life. And like those times that there isn't much going on because, you know, a lot of the cannabis uh, thing, as far as the growing side of things is, is, is seasonal. We have some greenhouses, but like our big, our big, you know, hustle season is, is our summertime, you know, sure. so our summer and spring, you know, and through the winter things slow down a lot. And sometimes I just don't have much going on in my day. It drives me nuts. Oh, I see. So you can parse out your, your time and to you yeah. plan out, plan out your season to kind of go around your work. Yeah. Definitely. You know, this prep was tough because I dieted right through our harvest and it was, it's hard to be fully present when yeah. we're three weeks out and you yeah. know, you're also harvesting, you know, thousands and thousands of plants. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Where, but, where did the business sense come from? Um, you know, I think growing up, uh, my dad always ran his own business. He ran his own painting and construction business. And I just got to see, you know, my old man do well for himself and be his own boss. And I'm, I'm not, I would never be a good employee. Like I was never going to work. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I did, don't get me wrong. I worked my shitty jobs, but I, you know, I'm a a shit employee. How many shitty jobs did you have? So you don't have to list list them all. Just give me a number. Four shitty jobs. Oh, that's nothing. Uh, well, okay. And then, oh yeah, I work. I, honestly, I spent most of the time working for my dad. Listen, when you say, I, <laughs> when you say, I, I have to be my own boss or I can't work for someone else. Yeah. I say that I had 16 jobs between age 16. Well, it's a long time to figure your shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Between age 16 and 23, I had 16 jobs. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you get fired that many times or you quit? <laughs> you that shit even employee both <laughs> yeah i mean i got fired and and quit but i got fired and quit about my turnover rate dude i can't this is why i started hostile that's why i became a bodybuilder right, right? no i i get it yeah yeah i started working for my dad and it was pretty lax and i, I you know we made good money and then you know it's just it's working for family so if i didn't want to go to work i would just you know tell my dad i'm not going to work today what'd your but, mom do uh, my mom has always worked with um, like developmentally disabled. So she's okay. a caretaker and, okay. and people, yeah. Um, so she's always done that my, my whole life. And then, um, like I said, my dad owned his own business and, you know, you see, you know, when the family wanted to go on vacation, we just shut shit down for two weeks and take off, you know, people yeah. you can't do that, you know, working a nine to five, yeah. you know, yeah. my brother and I both worked for my dad. So when we were going to take a family vacation, we all just checked out and bounced, you know, yeah. and I, you know, when you're working for somebody, you, you just can't do that type of thing. And, and so um, seeing that, so seeing that growing up, you're like, that's, you knew that was kind of life you wanted. Yeah. You know, and you know, my dad's, I mean, except for like the, you know, the housing crash of 2008, that was a really, really hard time for our family. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, during that time it was, it was a bummer. You know, my dad was putting in, you know, uh, applications to get a job at Walmart. 
you know, or Home Depot, you know, we were just doing anything. We were, we were cutting firewood during that time. We'd go up into the mountains in the middle of winter and spend the whole day cutting and splitting firewood just to get two cords of firewood to sell for 200 bucks a pop. And then, you know, my dad would give me a hundred bucks and he'd make a hundred bucks and my brother make a hundred bucks and we'd put 50 bucks in gas. And that was our day. But, you know, you're talking about splitting firewood for 12 hours for 300 bucks. It's tough. Yes, we did that for a whole winter in like 2008 and 2009 or two whole winters in 2008 and 2009. Mm -hmm. That was actually when me and my brother were like, we're going to grow weed, dad. What'd your dad say? Yeah, he was like, go for it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, he let us grow in his backyard. And um, because we had buddies that were doing it. I, you know, I had had friends that we went to high school with that were, you know, making six figures growing weed. Yeah, yeah. You know, 20 year old kids. I'm like, this is, fuck this shit, dad. Fuck splitting (laughs) fire, dude. (laughs) You know, but then we, then we grow weed and we, dude, it's a nightmare. People don't understand it. It's not, you know, you grow weed, you got these big pot plants, like, oh, everything looks great. And then it rains and every single plant you have splits in half and you go, holy shit, I just lost everything. Yeah. I didn't have it caged right because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like there was years of that. And then like, you know, we thought we're going to build these covers and because when the rain comes, it'll be all covered. But what you don't realize is that what you created was a fucking sauna and now all my weed just molded and I lost everything again, <laughs> you know? So, but it took two, that was two years where you're like, oh, I didn't make any money. I lost everything. Cause I was, yeah. an idiot what I was doing. is your dad, was your dad still on board, even though you fucked up? Yeah. He let us destroy his backyard and make a mess. <laughs> it terrible. You know, now if you look at my farm, it's beautiful. I mean, everything, it looks like a vineyard. Everything's in straight lines. We streamline everything. There's not a piece of trash anywhere. Yeah. It's beautiful. It looks like a fucking golf course. My brother's got, you know, crazy crazy attention to detail so he's watering every square inch of that fucking place and making sure it's green and you know he looks nice but my parents back here look terrible is your is your dad involved in the business at all like is he have you given him a piece for fucking the torment you put him through god i owe him a piece (laughs) you know it's it's we obviously i help my parents the way i can but we know this we're still in the infancy of this thing you know i'm not quite at that place we're doing very well but like only well enough to live well and to expand. Sure. You know, I know at some point in time, these companies are going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. We're, just, we're just not there yet. A lot of people don't really don't understand that because, um, you know, it's the same thing with hostile. Like we're doing really well. Yeah. And we make, we have a lot of ton of sales and we've exceeded, sure. like exceeded our numbers that we expected, but it's the first five years of any company is like, just reinvest, just re like, I barely take a salary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for so, sure. So I'm like, yeah, everything just, country, it, it made 1.5 million, but me and my brother were taking two grand a month. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. poverty. that's like living in poverty. It was tough. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of money. But I mean, you make that, you make that sacrifice so that you can, in five years, you can look and go, okay. Yeah. We've made the, uh, we made the adjustments that we had to make and now we can take more. You know, and a lot of the liquidity in the company to continue to expand and to make sure that all my employees and vendors were always taken care of. I've never had to burn anybody on money because yeah. I didn't, you know, I've always made sure there was money in the safe to take care of business. How many employees do you have? Um, across the dispensary and the farm and the gym, I think it's like 17 total, 16, 17. How, how does that feel? How does it feel? Like, how did it feel when you had your first employee? I felt good. Yeah. I felt, I mean, I, that first employee, we went completely broke. Cause when we first, I signed the lease for this, this uh, retail space and I paid rent on it for eight months before we opened business. Yeah. It was the licensing process just took forever. So during that time, you know, we're paying, we're remodeling, we're re uh, you know, we're um, redoing the floors and paint and all that shit and uh, hired employees. So I'm paying salaries, I'm paying leases, I'm paying rent and I'm paying everything. And uh, that first day we opened our business, I had to borrow $200 from my wife and my girlfriend at the time. I had to borrow $200 from her so I could put $100 in each till so I could have cash in the till yeah. to uh, open business on my first day. Yeah, yeah. That's where we're at. I mean, we went completely liquid. I spent everything <laughs> and I was puckering my butthole and I, <laughs> I borrowed 200 bucks from my girlfriend yeah. to open shop the first day. <clears throat> um, we hired our first uh, employee at Hostile. It was a proud day for me. I didn't think it would be. I didn't think it would be like a big deal. I was like, ah, whatever. People just have employees. You don't really think about it. Yeah. But then when you're actually paying somebody a salary and they're like, when you see them providing for their families off of what you've yeah. built, you yeah. know, yeah. I think it really hits like around the holidays, you know, when you've got, 
you know, I've got like six employees at the store that I see, you know, you follow them on social media and they're buying their kids toys and, and they're providing for their family. And you, and you know that that's actually coming from something that you built. Yeah. Well, that's, that's an amazing feeling. It is very yeah. cool. Yeah. It's a, how do they say it? It's an unintended perk, I guess. I didn't, I didn't really think of that when I started the company. No, yeah. It's not something that you have like the forethought to, to think about, you know, you're yeah. just caught up in, in building your business. But then when you sit back and you actually see that you have, you know, a dozen families that rely on you yeah. and are actually able to provide for their family because of you, that's an amazing feeling. So what's next? What, what, uh, what are we doing now? So you turn pro, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're uh, looking to the stars. You think you can go as far as possible. Yeah. What yeah. is, what is the next move for Justin after turning pro? So we're going to take, I'm going to take 2022 completely off and then um, compete in early 2023. Mm-hmm. And I just need the time to put on some size. Um, but aside from that, just hone in on, on bodybuilding and business. And so we're thinking what first, first year we see you on stage is 2023 New York pro 250 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I don't know about 250. I was only like, I was only like 216 on stage. This were you year. really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I mean, you're heavyweight. So you had to be under 220. Yeah. So, I mean, I, ideally if I, I think I could be very competitive even at 230. Well, I was just going to say people, it's funny because everybody says the weight is this and weight is that, but everybody carries their weight separately, yeah. like different, like, differently. Yeah. I mean, I'm not Phil, Phil Heath, but didn't Phil Heath win his first Olympia at like 232 or well, something? Well, I was actually just going to use that example. Cause I, my heaviest weight on stage was like 258, 260. Yeah. But I think Phil was like 255, but looked like he was five times bigger than me. So it's like everybody doesn't carry their weight the same way. And you're right. You probably could get away with competing at like 235 and look, look just as big as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what happens, man. And I'm, I'm happy that you're part of our team. Absolutely. And uh, I'm happy that we do this like quick podcast and kind of give people an introduction because you got an interesting story, but um, I'm going to bring on, we're going to wrap this. Okay. We'll, we'll get this podcast out as you and you alone. And then we're going to bring in the other guys for another, another hour, or however long you have. Let's do it. I love talking about myself. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Hey guys, thanks for watching. Please subscribe, share with your friends and like the video. And if you get a chance, check out the description for all the different links to all the different places you can find hostile and myself And lastly, check out Hostile.com for our new line of supplements and all of our apparel and gear. Thanks again for watching.